0: Hello and welcome to the latest Providence Journal Pick and Pop podcast, our weekly look at college basketball in Rhode Island and around the country. Uh, this is Kevin McNamara here at the Journal, uh, right here at 75 Fountain Street with
1: my cohort Bill Koch. Bill, uh, you got your bags packed, but uh, good to see you. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, good to see you as well. The bag's out in the car, headed to Richmond uh, a little later today. You or I plays there tomorrow night. Um, but happy to be in here now to, to give our weekly look at uh, the local scene. we got plenty to talk about, as usual. We do. We're going to start with the Rams, since you
0: just mentioned their game at Richmond tomorrow night, Wednesday. Big week for the Rams. Uh, tough game at Richmond. Richmond has been an up-and-down team. Uh, surprise at the top of the a 10, however, but coming off a loss against George Mason, which I, I think opened some eyes a little bit.
1: Yeah, they started off 5 0, uh, you know, then went out to Dayton and got beat, which there's no shame in that. There are a lot of teams who will go out to Dayton and get beat. It happened to the Rams as well. Uh, but then against George Mason this weekend, an 82 77 home loss at a sold out Robin Center where they were down 15 at the half and 23 at one point in the second half. Uh, you know, George Mason. Beat them up in the paint. They outscored them forty-six to twenty-eight. Um, you know, Richmond's a little undersized. They play that you know sort of switching. Uh, it looks like a zone. It, it's actually a very tight switching man-to-man. Um, yeah, they've had that defense for a long time under Chris Mooney. And every once in a while, you can if you're big and physical and strong inside, you can bully them. And and, and I'm sure that's you know what you or I will be hoping to do tomorrow night. Uh, the uh, Rams. Coming
0: off a very impressive blowout win at Duquesne, uh, I can't say I'm surprised. I am surprised that they would beat someone by 30 on the road. I kind of reserved only that for uh, the game at St. Louis, but uh, that's called taking care of business. Um, you know, you,
1: it's a game where you don't get much credit, except maybe if you win by 30 on the road. It was a, a 90-69 win by URI, and and you know, Kevin, you say they won by 30. They could have won by 40. It felt like 30. Yeah, I'm actually surprised sure. it was 21 because it, it was floating around 30 for most. Needless to say, I didn't tune in for the entire game, if you know what I mean. No, no. It was bench and walk on time strictly over the last five minutes. Uh, and I, I think the best thing that you saw from Rhode Island was 50 points in the paint in that game, which tied a season high that they set against uh, Dartmouth and Belmont. Not exactly the iron, but like you said, no matter who you're playing against, it's the manner of the performance that impresses the fact that they were going to the rim that they were being aggressive that they were imposing themselves physically and if they carry that over into Wednesday night against Richmond that style of play uh, it's going to serve them very well
0: no you just mentioned that George Mason beat uh, Richmond up pretty good in the lane and you know I-, I don't know what his health is but just by his numbers it looks like Hassan martin is rounding into form as as maybe the best big guy in the league in the Atlantic 10 which
1: is pretty much what the Rams are going to need. Yeah, he had uh, 20 points the other day at Duquesne, uh, despite some foul trouble. The box score only listed him for 10 minutes. Uh, that's a little low. They they forgot to check him back into the game at one point in the second half. Uh, he probably played closer to 15 minutes, still 20 points in that short amount of time. I, I bet Jim Ferry, the Duquesne coach, wished he didn't check back in the game either. He got two personals uh, about three minutes into the first half and sat for the last 16 and change. Um, and URI still led by 10 at the break, which you know, if you're going to take a good sign and, and a look at you know, URI's depth compared to some other teams in the league, I think that's about as good an indicator as you're going to find. No question. Um, the Rams,
0: uh, again, will uh, play at Richmond and then host St. Bonnie on Saturday afternoon. And yet again, St. Bonnie is one of those teams that uh, will, will make it difficult on you. Mark Schmidt does a good job for several years now where he may not have the uh, top-flight talent, or he may not have that top-flight talent when he takes it off the recruiting heap, but he makes really good players, and right now he has one of the
1: best players in the league in uh, in his backcourt. Yeah, Jalen Adams, uh, in my mind, is the best point guard in the league, pure point guard in the league, and, and, and one of the best in the East. Uh, you know, the other day he had 13 points and 14 assists, and when you consider uh, a college game where players don't necessarily shoot as well as they might in an NBA game or you know when he's playing with some guys who aren't as offensively skilled as as guys you would find in an NBA game 14 assists is a big number Um, you know they have a Central Connecticut transfer in the backcourt Matt Mobley uh, who's among the top 10 scorers in the Atlantic 10 right now he's fit right in seamlessly Uh, and Denzel Gregg who was the 6th man of the year last year in the A-10 really hurt Rhode Island in a loss up there in Olean in uh, early in the season Uh, and like you said you know, Mark Schmidt knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, it, Boston College has started to turn it around a little bit here with Jim Christian. They have a very nice young backcourt, but I thought at the time that Mark Schmidt would have been a very savvy hire for them. Uh, he's a Bishop Feehan product, a Massachusetts guy, and, and you know, I thought that he would have been a perfect fit for them. I, I think that much of his ability. Um, you know, they, they talk all the time, Kevin, about the Atlantic Ten being a, a coaches' league. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you look at. The longevity of some of the guys there. When you look at like Phil Martelli and, and Archie Miller uh, and Schmidt is certainly on that list. Chris Mooney as well. Sure. Uh, you've got some very good X and O minds there, and he's at the very top of that list. No, he does an excellent job, and uh, my guess is if he
0: keeps his resume polished, he might uh, again have a chance at Boston College. Uh, we'll see what happens. How Jim Christian can keep uh, trying to turn that uh, ship around up at uh, the Heights. It's uh, it's quite a battle. Uh, Bill, before we switch, can you give a Jarvis Garrett update? It seems to be some mystery as to what the story is down there in Kingston with Jarvis. He, he's missed a couple games now. He's, he has an undisclosed illness, sickness. Uh, he's clearly not ready to play right now. Uh, any? Can you add anything to
1: that? I uh, underwent you know, more medical testing on Monday. Uh, they're still waiting on the results. He did not travel with the team to Duquesne. Uh, you know, they're legitimately concerned at this point. Uh, I think it's. It's more a process of ruling things out as opposed to ruling things in right now. Uh, they're trying to zero in on a diagnosis because you don't have a 20-something, you know, young 20-something-year-old kid lose 15 pounds in three weeks. He's supposed to be in the physical prime of his life. Uh, you know, so they are very concerned. And, and you can't underestimate the, the impact that a healthy Jarvis would have on his team. You look at the Richmond game last year, which you I won uh, at the Ryan Center. Garrett dominated. He had 18 points, eight assists, one turnover. And his opposite number in his matchup, Shondre Jones, had zero. Uh, you know, So he, he's a big loss. I think what you've seen the last two games, uh, the freshman point guard, Jeff Doughton, has stepped in very nicely for him. Uh, he's played 32 minutes in both games. Uh, he had no turnovers at Duquesne the other night. Uh, he's capable of making a three-point shot from the corner. And, and I think... The thing you see with Jeff is he played at a very good high school program last year, St. John's College High. Uh, they play in suburban Washington D.C. in the same league with Dematha, which is a storied uh, high school program. Um, you know, and with Gonzaga College High, uh, you know, which is also producing NCAA players by the handful. Um, so he might be he might have been along with Cyril Langevin, more prepared to step in and contribute right away, and I think we're seeing that right now at the midway point of URI's season. There's no question. He's carried a a heavier load here
0: in the last three weeks, really since the start of uh, league play, and definitely as someone the Rams will be counting on down the stretch. My concern will be as the opponent, uh, and really Wednesday will be a great test because... uh, uh, Richmond's point guy, Jones, is, uh, Davis. Is Jones. Jones. Andre Jones, yeah. Uh, he's got that funny spelling of the first name, so it throws me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he's a blur, uh, big-time uh, uh, backcourt scorer. That'll be a, a big-time test uh, for Doughton, and uh, I'm sure we'll see a lot of Stanford Robinson at, at uh, defense. No uh On Jones as well. I'm uh, going to switch here, transition to the Friars, who will host – St. John's on Wednesday night at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, and then turn around and go out to Marquette on Saturday afternoon. Uh, big week for the Friars, uh, Bill. They're three and five in the league, and uh, you know I think maybe written off by a lot of Big East uh, observers. But if you look at their schedule, that they, they they basically have an awful lot of opportunity here with ten games left to go. They have six home games uh, out of the final ten, uh, and great opportunity. They have Villanova, Butler, Xavier, Marquette, and DePaul at home on top of after the St. John's game. Well, you know, I'm not saying that those are easy games because they're clearly not with three of the six in the top 25. But when Ed Cooley was talking, you know, opportunity and NCAA opportunity uh, on Monday before practice, I. I you know, it's not as if people are rolling their eyes there definitely is a chance for the friars to get back into the mix here.
1: No, we, we spoke about it a little bit last week on the podcast uh, and I think that's the great thing about the New Big East is there are those chances uh, at those elite top 50 top 25-ish type wins. Um, you look at the friars home schedule coming up. St John's is, is simply a game that they must have uh, you know it's not one that you can get back if you want to get to nine and nine in the league or, or maybe even somehow sneak out of 10 and eight which would almost certainly get you into the tournament. St. John's at home is a game that you must win. They've struggled a little bit. They got blown out against Seton Hall the other day. You know, Angel Delgado had a 20-20 game in that one. uh, He's just a beast inside. Um, St. John's, you're you're looking at a team that's still trying to build themselves. I think Providence is maybe a step or two ahead of them in terms of their current roster. Um, But they do have one of the most talented young players in the league in Shamori Ponds, uh, someone who Providence recruited heavily uh, he opted to stay in New York City, his home base. Um, you know, and he, along with Marcus Lovett in the backcourt, that's the type of guard play that will give you a chance to win every night. And, and if those guys are clicking, you know, St. John's will be a little bit tougher out than you might expect. I would think.
0: No, there's no question. They both averaged 17 a game. Uh, Lovett is a redshirt freshman. He was uh, academic casualty last year. Uh, As Cooley said, uh, they have the green light when they get out of their dorms. Yeah, right. Uh, We'll fire away. Providence uh, has been a very good defensive team on the three-point line uh, thus far this year, and that's certainly going to be the focus on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Bill, not sure if you had a chance to see PC's game at uh, Villanova. I know uh, last Saturday, big crowd, 18,000 and change at Mm. Wells Fargo Arena. Um, It it was PC's taste at at the big time and a big time opportunity. And, you know, Villanova did what they're supposed to do. It was interesting. My my reflections off Villanova are they're very, very good. Uh, Not as good as last year just because they lack that size under the rim. That said, I think they shoot the ball better. They pass the ball better. And they're just a very tough team to defend. Uh, They kept Providence at bay pretty much the whole game. It was only a four or five point game at the half. But when Villanova yeah. spurted, you know, they, they don't, they don't spurt with six. They, they spurt with you know, 10 and 12 points at a time. And just have that capability. Uh, I give Providence credit for not getting blown out. Uh, it was 20 at one point in the second half, and they got it back to only a 10-point game at the finish.
1: Yeah, I, I looked at uh, a little bit of the game. I caught a little bit of a late-night replay uh, on Fox Sports. And the thing that struck me, Kevin, was Villanova just seems to have an answer. To everything. And I think that's what the great teams have, and, and they are certainly uh, in that class. Um, look at their seniors. Did I see a stat? That they're 115 and 14 in their career. Didn't you have that? I think I
0: put that together uh, after the game. I said, I said to myself, well, they certainly haven't lost much this year. They only have one loss. They only lost, I think, four or five times last year and win the national championship. But yes, they're one hundred and twenty and fourteen in, in four years, and uh, which is absurd
1: yeah it's, it's, it's totally absurd,
0: crazy. and you know the, the the mindless among us would say, oh well, they're in the weaker big East, well, they've beaten an awful lot of teams outside of the Big East who are in the top ten and top twenty five as well, including this year, and they have a big time game on Saturday when they host uh, Virginia uh, at the Wells Fargo arena, you know two certainly a potential top four. Top three
1: NCAA seeds. Uh, I, you know, Villanova will be favored to win that game as well. Yeah, they, they just, they, like you said, they just seem to do everything pretty well. Uh, and they do a couple things really well, like shooting is definitely one of them, and, and shooting at all five positions, really. Uh, I mean, they could stretch the floor uh, and make shots. I, I just. I look at them having just a lot of answers. Uh, you know, like Providence would get it to 7, and Villanova would take it back out to 13, and Providence would get it to 6, and Villanova would take it back out to 14. And, you know, it's almost like the big brother teasing the little brother, uh, you know, and, and sort of pushing him off the couch uh, every once in a while. And, and I, I just think that's the type of game that you know, a, a more mature, a more talented Providence team maybe next year or the year following would have a chance to win. Uh, but the rosters being what they are right now, Villanova are, are the veterans. Josh Hart's a National Player of the Year candidate. Uh, and they did exactly what they're supposed to do at home. Yeah, the, the one, you know, fly in the ointment there was Kyron Cartwright
0: uh, came up with these... Actually, they said that he was sick pretty much all day. Played very well in the first half. Really couldn't post in the second. And Providence isn't beating Villanova or maybe anyone left in their schedule Without Kyron Cartwright playing and playing well, uh, and he did not play in the second half. Alpha Diallo, uh, the freshman, kind of ran the point in the second half. Uh, so again, I give Providence credit for hanging, but they're not going to beat uh, Villanova without Cartwright. What's interesting is the question is, is uh, in a kind of a fluke of the schedule, they play Villanova again very quickly. It will be uh, next week on Wednesday at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to be in Houston. Uh, for a football game, and uh, we're going to call in the Aces for that uh, tilt and see if uh, Providence can spring the upset, and hopefully Bill Koch can watch the number one team uh, maybe lose in Providence.
1: Uh, who knows? Uh, Providence has knocked off number one twice before. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what can happen there. I, I, you know, we did start this off talking about Providence and their NCAA chances and, and the games that they do have remaining at home. Um, Let's just do the schedule calculus here, Kevin. Villanova is obviously not a game that we have them down to win. No. Um, But there are other games there, starting with St. John's tomorrow night, that you get the feeling that if they are going to get into that discussion, they must have. Well, you know, uh, know, if we give
0: Providence a sweep of St. John's, which will not be easy, they do have to beat them at home, but at the Garden uh, in the last regular season game of the year, um, you know th- that would get Providence to five, and then their remaining home games are Villanova, Butler, Xavier, Marquette, and DePaul. Uh, we'll give them Marquette and DePaul, and again, Marquette is, has been a real thorn on the side of the Friars for since the Big East started. Well, they can't win the game on the road. I, I mean, we can pretty much write that down now. Can't imagine, but if we give them the home game, that gets them to um, that gets them to seven wins. So that means they, they somehow have to be two of three among Villanova, Butler, and Xavier. And, you know, again, I think Villanova's going to lose tonight. Actually, they play at Marquette. You heard it here first. Okay. Um, Bold prediction. I like it. Yeah. And then uh, hopefully they can bounce back and beat Virginia because you'd hate to see them come to Providence on a two-game losing streak. Uh, yeah. But... Um, you know, hey, by chance, you know, if Providence can beat Villanova, it's, it's a game changer. It
1: totally changes their resume. No question. And, and as we know, uh, and I'm sure Villanova, you know, has a ton of experience with this over the last few years, when you are number one or you are the best team in your league, you're going to get everyone's best shot every single night. And Providence, Ed Cooley being the coach that he is, the motivator that he is, he's going to have his guys up and ready for it. He's going to watch that tape from Philadelphia this weekend and say, hey, guys, only two or three possessions, one way or the other, and, and you know maybe we could have turned that game. And it will be played differently in front of our fans at the dunk. It's with, going to be sold with, out with Cartwright. With Cartwright at a hundred percent, you know, there's no reason to think why we can't go out there. You know, we lace them up the same way that they do. There's no reason to to think that we can't go out there and spring an upset on these guys. Well, I'll make sure that I'm in front of a television on Wednesday night. Uh, maybe I'll even get
0: Mark Daniels away from. The Patriots for a couple oh, very hours. Good. Very good. And uh, we'll find that game on uh, perhaps uh, on FS1. Perhaps an area
1: establishment uh, in Houston might. Uh, oh, oh no, I'll be
0: right in the hotel room uh, okay. with, with a diet coke. All right. Maybe some peanuts. And uh, who knows what Daniels does in his spare time? I I, I can't attest to anything there, but I think you're going to find out very soon. Yes, but uh, that'll be a must watch game uh, next Wednesday when again, hopefully, Villanova can stay uh, rolling along and the number one team in the country comes into the dunk which uh, doesn't happen very often but that would be a treat for local fans I mm-hmm. uh, just want to hit here at the end uh, Bryant uh, and Brown Bryant is continuing in the NEC they had a very important win uh, this weekend at Robert Morris two teams that are just struggling to get, get going in the NEC both teams played very poorly offensively and Bryant won a road game and uh, as we know road games are, are value, valued this time of year uh, big game there for uh, Tim O'Shea's team, and they come back. Uh, they come back uh, with a road game at Central Connecticut, one of the teams that's struggling in the NEC. So that's another road game that Bryant needs to win. They play Thursday in Connecticut, and then come home and face Fairleigh Dickinson, one of the better teams in the league. So a big week uh, for uh, the Bulldogs. Hopefully, they can grab two and uh, and just. Get pointed
1: in the right direction. Well, as you said, Brian's schedule is backloaded with home games, which is good for them. Uh, they did beat Wagner at home, which was one of the conference co favorites with Fairley Dickinson, so you have some hope for that game. Um, you know, I, I, I certainly think, you know, Brian, as I've said all along, for that league, for the NEC, they have plenty of talent to win games in that <laughs> league. It's a matter of whether or not they can close out games. I, I know uh, the other night, when I watched them lose to Harvard, uh, you know, very tight and late after they made a great comeback to get it down to a one-possession game late, uh, Tim O'Shea said that, you know, his he felt like his team had lost its cl- its share of close games, and he, he attributed that to its youth. Um, you know, he is one of the youngest teams in all of college basketball. And you wonder, um, you know, as these guys get to the last 10 games or so, whether or not they are maturing and they are developing, and, and whether or not maybe the ball will bounce for them and they'll be able to close out one of these, uh, you know, as we said numerous times in the past, Kevin, the, the NEC tournament is all about trying to get that by that home game, the first game, um, you know, and then maybe taking your chances a little later on. And, and you know, the thing about Bryant that makes them dangerous is they can score the ball, and, and that's always going to give you a chance to knock somebody off. yeah, and to win that uh, close one uh, at Robert Morris. Certainly
0: gives uh, Bryant uh, some confidence heading into this week. Uh, thinking of close ones, speaking of close ones, uh, Brown lost a really difficult game at home to Yale uh, in their Ivy League opener last uh, not o- home opener last week. Um, kind of rushed to the... Stephen Spieth had a big-time game. I think he had 33 points. He, he had did. six or seven threes. Really, was, his best shooting night of the season. Uh, and yet a freshman from uh, Yale hit three threes in the last minute and a half. Uh, to deny Brown. Now they have to go back on the road at Yale, uh, and that's, that's a game they need to get. You know, uh, you clearly can play with the Bulldogs, and it's time to go on the road and, and steal one back after letting one slip away at home.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate. A one point loss at home in a game where Steven Speeth had a career high, um, you know, was the co Ivy League player of the week this week, obviously played very well in that game. We spoke about it last week. Uh, we felt like they had a chance to split with Yale at the very worst, and now they're going to have to do it the hard way. Um, you know, and these are the types of games that, if you want to end up in the top four in the Ivy League and, and go to the Palestra at the end of the year for that first Ivy League tournament, this is the type of of swing series with Yale where you need to get at least one. Um, you know, they would have been in a much better position if if they had won the first one. They'd be playing with house money going into this weekend, but. You absolutely must get at least one game against the teams who are somewhat like you, and, and I think Yale uh, is going to be right in the range for that 3-4 spot. So it, it, it makes this game very, very important for Brown. Yep, big game. Early returns in the Ivies are Harvard and Princeton.
0: are. Uh, cut our two ahead of everybody else, but the scramble for three and four is going to be uh, it's going to be great. It's going to go right down probably to the last weekend of the season, which is what the Ivy coaches were hoping for when they created this this new playoff uh, scenario. Bill, lastly, um, the NCA announced today that they're going to release a uh, I wouldn't say a bracket, but a top 16 uh, of the NCA unveil unveil a top 16 uh, of the uh, men's tournament on I think it's uh, February the 10th or 11th. Uh, Not a mid-season look, but a three-quarter poll look. Uh, I I think it's a good idea. I really do. Uh, If you think about the excitement that the college football playoff um, top four uh, uh, reveal, and they do it multiple times uh, leading up to to November, uh, basketball, this will be a first for basketball. I think this is the only one they're going to do. This is, again, a three-quarter poll look that will precede the March Madness, uh, March uh, Selection Sunday look. Uh,
1: why not? You know, if anything, it just helps grow the game a little bit. No, I agree. It, it, the sooner we can start talking about March Madness, the better. Uh, you know, those first two days are my favorite two sports days of the year. Um, you know, and it, it never hurts to, you know, like you said, stimulate that sort of discussion. If you see some sort of tasty, like two-three matchup potentially, if they can get through the first couple rounds, um, you know. Plus, you as a regional site. Um, you know whether it be the the first weekend or the second weekend you can start to hype your event a little bit uh, I know they had no problem selling tickets in Providence uh, last year when, when the event was here but sometimes those bigger sort of NBA arenas you, you might not see the upper reaches filled if they have an idea that maybe a Duke or, or a Kansas are coming uh, and that it's uh, a month or, or five weeks out uh, you know the marketing folks in those cities could you know, maybe sort of start pushing specific teams, maybe start tailoring their approach to specific fan bases, uh, because as you know, Kevin, you've sat in plenty of those buildings. There's nothing more exciting than an NCAA tournament game in front of a big crowd where the place is rocking and and everything is on the line uh, in terms of that season.
0: No, no question that, like you said, those first two, uh, you know, sets of games are are outstanding theater, and uh, you know, it, it also it's very important to the uh, elite of the sport. To get a one seed, you know, the jockeying for the one seeds down the stretch uh, is, is just sparks. It, it sparks the type of conversation that college football has made itself on. You know, think about all the hot air that goes into, you know, whether Alabama is one or a two right. in, in the top four, and uh, I think that's what this uh, unveil. Uh, could do as well as they unveil basically the top 16 teams, the the four uh, seeds in each of the four regions. So, Bill, with that, uh, get up to Logan Airport. Good luck out and uh, traveling out to Richmond. Thank you. And uh, we will we'll check in. Actually, we may not check in next week. It could be a special Bill Koch. Maybe we'll call. We'll go to the bullpen and and look for a certain William Reynolds. See if he can step in on the podcast. But I'm going to be chasing uh, the Patriots next week in Houston. Take care.